Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and uh, this is the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, and I'm coming to you from the home office today. I just wanted to... uh, we're going to be putting out a series of podcasts, and I wanted to let you know uh, that the messages from our Shabbat services um, for the past two weeks we are putting together to release as a podcast. And so uh, the one that you're going to be hearing right now is a message from Pastor Nick from March 28th, uh, and it's titled, Yeshua is the Lamb. And as we're preparing for Passover, it's a, a very relevant message uh, I hope you guys get a lot out of it. Just listen in and, uh, you know, let this get into your spirit that, that Yeshua is the lamb. He is the Passover and uh, that that we can depend on him in our time of trouble, our time of need that, you know, as we, we come to the Passover season and the coronavirus outbreak is is out there, you know, here in Florida, you know, most things are, are getting, you know, pretty much shut down and people are self-quarantining and and all that kind of stuff. But there's hope because the plague is going to pass over us. And just like the Israelites in Egypt quarantined themselves together with their family and had Passover with their families, that's what we're going to be doing this year. And we don't just hope in a literal lamb. We hope in the lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. And so listen in to hear Pastor Nick's message. Shabbat Shalom to you guys uh, and have a great week. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm Pastor Nick Plummer with Beit Tehillah Congregation. And I uh, just want to say that uh, right out of the gate here, in, in my 17 years of being a pastor at Beit Tehillah, uh, I have never experienced uh, what I am, of course, experiencing personally and corporately here at Beit Tehillah, even worldwide. You know, it's interesting as we, as we move forward here, uh, Torah means teachings and instructions. And even our government and the CDC is giving us instructions, quite a few instructions as far as how many people can meet, uh, the six-foot rule, uh, washing your hands. Uh, These are all instructions. And so once again, I want to thank the congregation uh, for following uh, instructions right now because it could actually be literally uh, life or death, uh, and that's pretty serious. So I I take this coronavirus very seriously, and we know that... uh, God heals all sickness and disease, but I'm saying that we need protection right now and wisdom. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the good news is, which is kind of interesting, is the fact that um, on, on Wednesday night, March 25th of 2020, in the evening, we began a biblical new year. That's right. We are in a biblical new year with new beginnings. You know, uh, spring is a time uh, for things to bloom, and you bloom where you're planted. So once again, we are officially in the in this season of spring, and we are in a biblical new year, uh, which begins with Nissan 1. So with that said, I just want to share a little bit of information uh, in regards to the coronavirus, which of course is is a plague or a pestilence. Uh, and, and like I said, it's, it's very interesting that when this thing uh, actually believe it or not, is said to have started in China. Uh, we were in the book of Exodus, and we know in the book of Exodus, uh, we have, of course, the, the 10 plagues in Egypt. And of course, with that, we also have a plague of locusts thrown in there as well. And uh, this is public records. You can go online right now and check it out. But there is an, uh, a plague of locusts actually hitting the Middle East, and it moved down into North Africa, Northeast Africa. As a matter of fact, even today, uh, these locusts are eating the crops in Iran, which is, of course, Persia. Very interesting, isn't it? Coming out of Purim and the, the great uh, Esther the musical, the play and everything, uh, we can see some things that are so relevant for today that we can actually have a conversation with those around us. 
And so the biggest thing right now, as far as instructions go, as far as my own studying and praying and reading and understanding certain things, is this thing called mitigation, uh, which is about the curve. And so what they're trying to do is, is to limit the size of the curve. Uh, and it makes perfect sense because our hospitals, doctors, medical staff can only treat so many people at one time. And, and I share this because what happened in Italy is the curve was so big and so many people were hit with the coronavirus that doctors uh, and, and, and nurses had to make this, these decisions based upon ethics or ethical decisions. Who's going to get a, a ventilator or get into the ICU and who's not? Uh, and, and matter of fact, there's even a story where a doctor actually gave up the ventilator in, in the ICU bed for somebody else and he died. He actually was a martyr. Uh, on behalf of the patient that was younger than him and different things. And so once again, you're, you're seeing some incredible stories unfolding here. And the coronavirus is, of course, a reality. And so be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're, you know, uh, what kind of information you're getting, uh, because there's a lot of misinformation as well. And so uh, as far as the government goes, the CDC, you know, you need to follow some reputable sites in that regard, especially the CDC. And so once again, Florida uh, of course, has been hit with the coronavirus. And of course, they're uh, looking at this in a way that uh, they're not sure how big the curve is going to be, how high it's going to go. Uh, but at this point in time, uh, there are probably, I, I would say, around 1,700 uh, positive cases of coronavirus in the state of Florida. Uh, and at this point, uh, there have been at least 20 deaths. And so that's where we're at in the state of Florida. But we need to be praying. We need to be wise. And all of this is just relevant even for today, you know. And as a pastor, one of the things that people will, will ask is, hey, uh, Pastor Nick, is the coronavirus a judgment from God? Is this a judgment from God? And so we have to look at this in light of the scriptures and, of course, the times that we're living in. Um, and basically, I would like to, to share with you in Exodus chapter 32, verse 35, when the children of Israel created the golden calf, and they, of course, uh, with that golden calf, they committed idolatry, and they also, of course, committed sexual immorality. Now, 3,000 uh, souls lost their life based upon the judgment that the Levites put on those. 3,000 died uh, uh, as a judgment with the sword. But in verse 35, it says, And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. So on top of this judgment of the 3,000 with the sword, uh, people died from a plague that was given of the Lord. The Lord put the plague on them. It doesn't tell us how many people died, but once again, a plague is a plague, a pestilence is a pestilence. Now, with that said, I would like to also go to, uh, and that's the word plague, but I would also like to go to Matthew chapter 24 in verse 7. Uh, Yeshua says this, this is the Olivet Discourse, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So once again, we hear a reference that Yeshua is saying, hey, listen, there's going to be some diseases, some plagues, some pestilences um, before I come back. And so this Greek word pestilences literally means uh, diseases. Uh, and so once again, we can say that uh, for 2,000 years, uh, you can do your own study on the different plagues uh, throughout history, the bubonic plague. Uh, but I would like to bring to light a uh, hundred years ago, we had the Spanish flu in 1918, uh, and it's also called uh, the 1918 flu pandemic. It was from January 1918 to December of 1920. Now listen to this. It infected 500 million people, which was about a quarter of the world's population. Now th they didn't keep good numbers. They didn't have all the numbers, but the death toll was estimated to be from 17 million to 50 million, and maybe as high as 100 million, making it one of the deadliest epidemics in human history. Now, once again, we don't want to have fear. We want to have faith. We want to have wisdom. You know, the coronavirus is a reality. But once again, I think that we can use this time uh, to reach people, to have conversations, to get our house in order as we are quarantined, as we are in our homes with one another. I believe that God is actually strengthening the families, and we're going to bring this out even in the teaching. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, you know, and, and before I even get into this teaching, I want to say a prayer. 
and ask the Lord to, to give me the words to speak and to share because there's a lot of words going on right now, uh, a lot of things being said, and uh, we need, to, uh, we need to, to say the right thing. So, Father, I just come before you. I thank you for this message uh, that's titled, Yeshua is the Lamb of God. I thank you that today it's about a person. It's not about just an ideology or a concept or a, or a doctrine, but it's actually about a person. And so, Father, I just pray that you give me the words to speak, the wisdom and the insight to share with your people that are, that are watching this, Father, that, are, that want to be encouraged and have hope. And, uh, and I just thank you for this. In the name of Yeshua, amen. All right, let's jump right into this because I want to build a case for you because the coronavirus is very real. It's very serious. Never before in the history of this world has, have we seen anything like this. And, and, and with that, of course, I want to also uh, share the fact that, you know, we, we, have to take, we have to take action. And so as we look at this, Yeshua is the Lamb of God, okay? And uh, the first uh, outline or the bullet point that I want to share is about the Creator and creation. So I want to talk about the Creator and creation. So I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to give them to you. And once again, if you would like to have this PowerPoint that I'm sharing with you right now, just contact the office uh, info at twopraise.net and ask for this uh, PowerPoint, and we will email it to you because I think it's very important uh, as we are in the season of redemption. So here we go. So we are made in the image of God, and we can find this in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 27, in chapter 2 in verse 7. I'm not going to get into all the reading of the scriptures, but we believe that there is a God, and we also believe that He is the Creator. Uh, we also believe that we are made in the image of God. I like that little little uh, sign I saw, a little drawing of a little boy, and it says, God doesn't make junk, okay? God doesn't make junk. So as we move forward, we move on into, of course, the, the story of creation, and God purposely planted the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. You can find this, of course, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. So he purposely planted the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. Uh, let's move on. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, here we have the public reading of Scriptures. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Wow, here we go. This is the first commandment given to Adam. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from this tree. If you eat from this tree, you will die. Very simple, isn't it? Now, what's interesting about this concept here, or even this portion of Scripture's, is we can actually find uh, the three responsibilities of man in here. Uh, a man is to provide, protect, and have dominion. You know, follow those instructions. Do what you're told. So that's the three responsibilities of a man, and that's what every wife wants from her husband, is to provide, protect, and have dominion. So, gentlemen, we have to fix this world. We broke it, and you're going to see this as it unfolds, okay, especially with the judgment. So now we're going to be moving into another character, uh, we have Adam and Eve made in the image of God. We're going to get into Satan, the seducer. So in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to go there. In Genesis chapter 3, and this is even playing out today, so you understand that Satan doesn't change. He doesn't come up with some secret weapon or something that's mysterious that he's going to get you with that he didn't get the Apostle Peter or anybody else. His weapons always stay the same in coming after uh, humans and coming after God's creation. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So he's basically undermining God uh, and even Adam at this point, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is what took place. Just so you understand, he's doing the same thing today that he did in the Garden of Eden. These are the three lies of Satan found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Remember, he's real cunning, and he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He says, number one, you shall not die. If you eat from this tree, you're going to have immortality. 
Now that's a lie. Because remember what God said to Adam. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from this tree, you will die. Okay, there's no clause, no addendum, no amendments. He says, uh, and of course, what is Satan doing? The first thing he tells Eve, you shall not die. You're basically going to have immortality, like the opposite of what God is saying, which is not good. Number two, he says, your eyes will be opened, which is what? An indication of enlightenment and knowledge. You know, we live in the information age right now with the internet and everything. So think about that. Your eyes will be opened. You'll have enlightenment and knowledge. What a lie, right? What a lie that is. And last but not least, number three, he says, you shall be as gods. Wow, interesting. You know, when you, when you look at this, it's, it's, it's fascinating because this is the same thing that's happening today. You know, uh, oh, you're not going to die. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about that. Oh, look how smart you are. Look at the internet. You can find any answer to any question you want. Siri this, Siri that, right? And all of a sudden, you know, and he says, you shall be as gods, you know, and, and that's what Lucifer wanted to be, to be, uh, to be like God, to, 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 to steal his glory, to receive uh, the, the, the glory uh, for himself instead of giving it to God. And, and you know, uh, and actually you can study for yourself that Satan is a cherub, you know, and God created the cherubs and they're, they're guardians, you know, they're the guards. That's what's on the Ark of the Covenant or two cherubs. Two cherubim actually guarded the entrance to, to the Garden of Eden. So you, you have cherubims on the, on the tapestry of the, of the tabernacle. So this is all about creation. So he created the homo sapiens. He created the cherubs. God is a creator. So here's what we have here. And this is the result of being seduced in Genesis 3.6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So while Eve was seduced, Adam was with her. And of course, what happened? He went along with her. So notice what she did here. Now we're going to break this down just so you understand how powerful it truly is. Because once again, uh, some things don't change. In Genesis 3, 6, this is what we find. We have man falls. We have Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And this is, of course, found in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 as well. Uh, the beloved apostle John has a lot of insight. He was like the favorite disciple of Yeshua. He laid his head in his bosom. He was the one that survived. He's the one that wrote the book of Revelation, uh, the apostle John. And, of course, his gospel, the gospel of John, uh, actually shows the theme is the deity of Yeshua that Yeshua is Yahweh and Yahweh is Yeshua. So the Apostle John is an incredible apostle. So let's, let's look at this, and then we're going to break it down for you so you understand, because we need to go into 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Now, remember what I've established here. I know you guys are probably thinking, this is so basic, this is so easy, this is so redundant, but this is what we need to understand, that there is a God and a, and a holy God, we're going to talk about that, and that he created us in his image, okay, and, of course, we have an enemy. So keep all this in mind as, as we develop this teaching. Here's what 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, this is what it says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now remember, in this garden, there's a tree of life, right? Which represents Yeshua. He's the tree of life. We need to eat from that tree. But this is how this is developed. So let's look at this. First of all, the lust of the eyes. The thing that I want to remind you of is that the eyes are never satisfied, okay? And so with that, uh, we just need to understand that uh, we, we watch TV and we flip through the channels. Our eyes are never satisfied. So think about that. So lust of the eyes. Uh, and then, of course, lust of the flesh. Uh, the lust of the flesh we have, of course, 17 works of the flesh found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. So Galatians 5, 19 through 21, we have 17 works of the flesh, and we can see that. So she saw that it was good, it was juicy, 
you know, and all of that, and she partook of it. Okay, so lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and of course, we have that. And what a battle that is, you know. It's interesting, some of the versions of the Bible have only 15 works of the flesh. King James has 17. Let's stick with the 17 because that makes much more sense. So 17 works of the flesh. Oh, and by the way, this has nothing to do with the devil. This has everything to do with your flesh. Remember the old creature. You're a new creature in Christ, but the old creature wants to stand up and have outbursts of anger and lust and all these other things. And so once again, uh, has nothing to do with the devil. This has to do with your flesh. Uh, and you have to get that thing under control. So last but not least, we have the pride of life. Uh, what is the pride of life? Uh, it's basically that you feel entitled to a position. You feel entitled to a position, okay? Uh, and once again, it goes on to talk about, you know, uh, to be as God. You shall be as gods. That's what Satan's lie was, Lucifer. So uh, as a matter of fact, in, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14, he actually says, I will be like the Most High. You shall be as gods. I shall be like the Most High. And then if God, God rebukes him, he says, no, you're going in the pit. So this is all relevant for today, everyone, because we have lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Matter of fact, it brings to mind the teaching from last week uh, and about dealing with offenses and being offended. You know, Joab was, of course, the nephew of King David, captain of the guard, captain of the host there, and he wanted his position. He felt entitled to a position under the king to, to do the army and everything, and he was knocking people off just to keep it, you know, because he felt entitled to a position, you know. And so once again, you know, we're, we're not entitled to a position. Matter of fact, we shouldn't even think about I'm entitled to this or I'm entitled to that. Uh, it's just not true. So I'm laying this down for you so you understand. So here is all of it in a nutshell, and here is the quote. Okay, here we go. When you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are deciding what is good and what is evil. Now, I believe we're that generation that will see the Messiah coming, because I'm telling you right now, the government, the Supreme Court, all over the world, they're passing laws that are truly evil in the eyes of God. God's already declared it an abomination or that it's evil. And, and the government continues to say, hey, we're going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to tell through our own laws what is good and what is evil. And I don't have time to get into to the address on this verse, but you've heard it before. They call good evil and evil good. So this is all relevant for today and what's going on and what's happening because you have so much to be vigilant about and to be sober about, not, not just uh, Satan who's, who's, you know, like a roaring lion, you know, seeking who, whom he may devour, but we must submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You need to know those steps and how to take them. So when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are deciding what is good and what is evil. And that's really what I love about the Torah because it's teachings and instructions. So the Torah teaches us what sin is and what it's not. So let's move on here, because now we're going to get into, uh, of course, death and judgment because of these decisions that Adam and Eve made. Genesis 3.19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Wow, so God made us from the dust of the earth. Remember, we're just a dirt ball. And then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so now we're a spirit, a soul, and a body because of God. But I'm telling you, the underlying issue is without God, we're just a dirt ball. We're just, we're just a dirt ball. And so we need God's spirit to breathe into us. You can find this reference even in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 20. Now, with that, we have this saying, uh, the wages of sin is death. So in Romans 6, 23... For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Houston, we have a problem, right? Houston, we have a problem. It's called sin. God is holy, and we're going to get into this redemption part of it. And now, of course, we move forward. And of course, what's going to happen? Adam and Eve messed up, and they had their own plan. Now, once again, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're not going to make good decisions, okay? You're going to come up with your own plan. And so Adam and Eve clothed themselves with fig leaves, 
but God covered them with coats of animal skins. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 and verse 21. So Adam and Eve messed up, and they covered themselves with the fig leaves, okay? And God's like, you know what? That's not going to do it. That's not going to cover you. So an animal had to die, and he put coats of animal skins on them. So what is this right here? It's a principle. It's a principle. And so let's look at these two principles based upon the mistake that Adam and Eve made in order for us to still have access to God, for him not to cut us off, but to follow God's protocol. So here we go. When Adam and Eve sinned, God showed them two very important principles. Number one, when they sinned, something had to die. Think about that. When they sinned, something had to die. Number two, when they sinned, blood had to be shed. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, and of course, Hebrews 9, 22. So now we're going to be going from, of course, you know, I have my little notes here. We're going from creator and creation to Satan, the seducer. Uh, and now all of a sudden we have a spiritual law for atonement. Once again, there's natural laws and there are spiritual laws. What I just shared with you is a spiritual law. The spiritual law for atonement. So here we go. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. The first messianic prophecy can be found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is packed with so many things, but this is the first messianic prophecy. God's saying, listen, you guys messed up, but now we're going to make it better. We're going to make it better, and I'm going to fix this thing if you'll just obey my instructions. So once again, the mystery in this first Messianic prophecy is Satan has seed. Once again, the mystery in this first Messianic prophecy is Satan has seed. Notice that uh, there's going to be enmity between the woman's seed and Satan's seed. Don't try to figure it out. Satan has seed, folks, okay? Uh, you, can, you can cut it any way you want it. Take the Scriptures literally, okay? And so once again, Satan has seed. It talks about bruising the head and bruising the heel because why? Yeshua is the head of the church. Yeshua is the head and we're the body. And to bruise the head, whose head is that? Satan's head because the heel of Messiah is going to crush his head, right? Bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Remember when Yeshua died on the cross, nails went through his heels. He literally had bruised heels to destroy the works of the devil. And I'm declaring these things right now in the name of Yeshua. And these things are true and right, and you should be repeating them. Yeshua came to destroy the works of the devil. Yeshua came to destroy the works of the devil. Everything Yeshua did was to give us back the keys that Satan took from us to give us a new life, the kingdom of God. It's, it's at hand, it's near. These are very important principles, everyone, because you're not battling flesh and blood right now. You're not battling your family or your boss or anything else. You are battling entities, spiritual beings. That's what you're battling. So as we move forward, what happens? God places a curse upon Satan, the woman, Eve, and the man, Adam. Now it's in that order. He curses Satan, he curses the woman, and he, of course, curses the man. Once again, sin came through the earth through Adam. And the second Adam is Yeshua. So you get to make this perfectly clear. Uh, gentlemen, we have, we have messed up this world. The world's broken because of fallen man, because of the men. So gentlemen, it's time for us to fix the world. It's time for us to do what is right, to follow divine order, to look to Christ. Our wives will look to us along with our children, looking to their parents. And that's really what's happening right now on the earth today with this coronavirus. I believe that God is restoring the family Passover. And so with that, we can, we can, of course, move on. Why? Because now we got to get into the lamb. The first time that a lamb is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. The first time that a lamb is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 4, 2. Let's check it out. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, uh, let's check this out. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. 
And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And we talked about this last week about Cain and Abel, okay, in this particular story, you know. And, and, and it wasn't that God was against Cain because he was basically a farmer. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, Abel was a shepherd. It says right here, Abel was a keeper of sheep, okay. So this is very interesting how this actually plays out. Not going to get into it all, but I just want you to know that you know that Abel took a sheep out of his flock and offered it as a sacrifice, okay. Once again, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, we're going to be getting into all, all of that as well. Just want to point this out. So it talks about in the process of time, then, then of course, Cain brought his offering. And uh, God, of course, goes into Cain and tries to talk with him. And uh, he respected Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. So what happened to Cain? Uh, he became offended, jealous, and he went out in the field with his brother Abel, and he slew him. It doesn't say they had a conversation, but Cain and Abel were out in the field, and, uh, of course, Cain killed Abel. So once again, uh, what you do with the offense will dictate your future. Uh, many will be offended, betray, and hate. We're seeing all of this even right now. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what we're actually seeing. So this particular outline, we're, of course, looking at the lamb. Now, as we move on, uh, when the children of Israel celebrated the very first Passover, a lamb was required. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, and, of course, verses Five through six. So once again, uh, when the children of Israel celebrated the very first Passover, a lamb was required. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? This is the family Passover. It was required. It's a spiritual law, right? Adam and Eve clothed themselves with fig leaves. God clothed them with animal skins, coats of animal skins. So, so here we go. So let's go right into it. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And what I'm sharing with you are these instructions which are very relevant for today because we're moving into, of course, moving towards the tenth uh, day of the first month. So once again, let's look at it. Let's keep, keep reading. Verses 5 and 6 uh, of Exodus 12. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. There you have it, right there. Instructions for a lamb. It's to be, of course, what is it? It's a lamb. It's right there. And, and on the 10th day of this month, you shall take to them every man a lamb. And then what happens? The 14th day of the same month, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So on the 10th of, of, of the month, of the first month, you've got this lamb that you're checking out, you're looking at, make sure it doesn't have any blemishes, it's a year old, and it's playing with your kids and everything. Then on the 14th, you know, that lamb is, is slain. And so once again, a little picture here the lamb that was slain. How disheartening is that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? But once again, we're talking about spiritual laws. And, and it's important that you understand this because as far as the occult and new age and all these other things, you know, these are just a bunch of lies. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ right here, folks. Don't be seduced. Don't be deceived. Watch out for the false prophets because this is what's happening. You know, there's, there's actually some false teachings out there, like universal salvation. Oh, everybody gets saved. Everybody wins in the end. It's, it's just not true. It's not true based upon the scriptures. Okay, so this is important. So the lamb that was slain. So now we've made reference to the lamb, but now let's look at the blood. The blood. The children of Israel had to put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. The children of Israel had to put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, okay? And we move on into 
Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, once again, same reference. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Wow, look at this. This is an example of a quarantine. He's taken everybody and putting them in quarantine for the day, right? Because why? Because the death angel is going to pass over. So what's happening with, with this coronavirus? Everybody's out in these big groups and running around all together and doing these things, and they're getting hit with the coronavirus. It's spreading like wildfire, okay? So, wow, think about that. So not following instructions causes the coronavirus to continue or to even grow. It's interesting that they're saying that this thing, will, will, we can shut it down by, by doing a quarantine and everything like that to lessen the curve and all these other things. And so I find it very relevant and interesting even for today that we have an example of a quarantine right here in the family Passover. Let's look at the blood. Once again, the blood in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. In Hebrews 9.22, this is so important. Once again, this has taken us all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, fig leaves versus animal skins, okay? Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Check this out. Now, we are currently... Uh, in the book of Leviticus, right? We're right there in the book of Leviticus, coming up here. And it's here. And the interesting thing is the book of Leviticus can be broken up into two parts. Leviticus chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So as you can see, if you want to make your way to God, you have to accept these spiritual laws, okay, which is about the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now we find another reference of this, a cross-reference, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Now, don't go daydreaming on me. Don't, don't look like you're just glossing over something. You have to speak this. You have to know this. You have to repeat this. Because I'm telling you, there's a deluding spirit out there. This is a fact. This is something we have to get back to. So, once again, it's all about the blood. The blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What a powerful hymn, okay? So, so let's think about this now. Now we're approaching the main part. We're approaching the lamb. Yeshua is the lamb of God. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. So now we're at this part. Yeshua is the lamb of God. Let's look at it. What's this verse about? It's about John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord. Look what he says here in John 1.29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Notice it's not plural. It's the sin, the original sin. Think about this, folks. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because now there's death. Sickness and disease, coronavirus, the Spanish flu, the bubonic plague. Oh, death, where is thy sting? So now the Lord is going to do some incredible things. Now, in reference to the Lamb, I'm just keeping it in context here in this point so that you understand how we must tie this in. Once again, this is a season of redemption where we put our eyes on the Son of God, on Yeshua, and not on everything else. Yeshua is also the lamb without a blemish. We can find this in Psalm 34:20, John 19:36, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. So let's check out these verses in regards to a lamb without blemish. Psalm 34 verse 20. 
He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Wow. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Why? Because you had to have a lamb without blemish. You took that lamb in on the 10th day of the first month. You examined it. You looked at it. And this is what happens. Now here's the prophecy. Look at John 19, 36. Being fulfilled, not a bone shall be broken. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. A bone of him shall not be broken. Remember, they're going to go and break the legs of Jesus. If he was not dead, the Roman soldier came up to him, and he was dead already. He had expired. His spirit, you know, has left his body. It is finished, he says, right? And he died. They didn't have to break his legs. Very interesting, because he had to be a lamb without blemish. He couldn't have broken bones. So that's, that's interesting. Now, moving on in the New Testament as well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Wow. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Father, right now, in the name of Yeshua, I plead the blood of Jesus on all of your children, their homes, and this community, this church. I plead the blood of Jesus. Yeshua, amen, because that's what it's all about, Father. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father. I want to remind all of you that when you had animal sacrifices, it only covered your sins. It covered them. With the blood of Jesus, the blood of Yeshua, our sins are taken away. When you ask for forgiveness for your sins, God doesn't bring them up. He doesn't remember them. Why should you? So who's whispering in your ear about your past but the devil? Take that to the bank, folks. God doesn't keep a record of your wrongs. When you ask for forgiveness, as far as the east is from the west, gone. Amen? Don't listen to those voices. Don't listen to those people that might bring up your past or something you did, because you've already been forgiven. And I love about the Apostle Paul says, hey, I did all these things in ignorance. I didn't know what I was doing, and I did these things. But he said, I'm a chief sinner. But boy, he understood forgiveness. He held the coats while they stoned Stephen. You know, the Apostle Paul was actually a murderer, but God forgave him. And God sent him to the Gentiles, to the nations. So how incredible is that? Now, as we look at all this, we can actually go back and look at some other stories as well that are going to unfold. We have, of course, Jehovah Yira. In the Strong's Concordance, it says Jehovah Yira. The binding of Isaac is a picture of Yeshua. The binding of Isaac is a picture of Yeshua. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 24. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? What we're looking at here are spiritual laws, but it's a progressive revelation that's bringing us to this. And they're going to read a few of these verses. Here we go. Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So Isaac's like, and he's a grown man, by the way. He's not some little kid throwing on some, uh, a bundle of wood. But he sees the fire and the wood, and, and, and he, he turns around and he says to, to, to his father, Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb, Dad? Abba, Abba, where's the, where's the lamb? And he says, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Interesting, isn't it? We're in the book of Leviticus, and the first offering is a burnt offering. It's totally consumed to God. Nothing left over. Totally consumed. And look at what happened in this particular story. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 and 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in that mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So Abraham has a revelation. Jehovah-Jireh is what it says uh, right there. Uh, it, but but it's, it's, it's Jehovah-Jireh. It means the Lord will see or provide 
And it's a symbolic name for Mount Moriah, a symbolic name for Mount Moriah. So the Lord will see and provide. So see, God made us and we messed up, right? Death came into the world. But the Lord will see or provide. That's the beauty of everything right there. And look what happens right here. As we get into John chapter 8, verse 56, look, look at this in regards to Abraham. Look what Yeshua says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Wow, so Abraham got this revelation that God's going to provide the lamb. He got it. And actually, as we go into, I want, I want to go into the gospel of John, because I think this is fascinating with what Yeshua is saying here. It's the coolest thing, I'm telling you. So John 8, I want to read verses 57 and 58. It says right here, uh, Then said the Jews uh, unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> he's saying that I am, I is. means he's a present God. That's what the great I am is all about. Remember the, the burning bush? Moses was concerned, well, who, who do I tell the people that sent me? He said, tell them I am sent you, that I'm a present God, that I heard their cries, amen. God hears your cries, amen. Are we in a, a place of humility, right? Are we in a place of humility? So it's interesting as you see this, actually, this develop, we know that it's real. We know that this is real, you know. And so check this out. The binding of Isaac, which is called the Akedah, is the reading among the Jewish people as they celebrate the feast day of Yom Teruah, otherwise known as Rosh Hashanah, on the second day. So this is an actual reading, the binding of Isaac on the Akedah, right? It's called the Akedah, on Yom Teruah. So what happens? Yeshua fulfills the spring feasts. He's going to fulfill those fall feasts. So they're reading about Yeshua on the feast day of Yom Teruah. He's, 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 he's in there, that the Lord will provide a sacrifice. He will see to it. Boy, isn't that the most awesome thing? Why? Because God can't go against himself. He's a holy God, okay? He's a holy God, and it's a spiritual law. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So he, he's a great creator. He creates the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom. You know, he, he creates all these creatures and all these things. Adam and Eve mess up. Something has to die. Blood has to be poured out. And how many places did Yeshua bleed from? Think about it, everybody. His hands, his feet, his side, the crown on his head, his back. You can't say that he didn't give his blood or shed his blood. He did. He truly did. So now, last but not least, we're going to be looking into the Lamb and the book of Revelation. Here we go. This is something that we all need to get excited about because we find the lamb in the first Passover. We find the lamb progressively through. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, all of a sudden, you get into the book of Revelation. Oh, and by the way, which simply means Jesus revealed. You know, the book of Revelation is not a scary book if you have Jesus, if you have Yeshua. It simply means that Yeshua is revealed. And there's a lot of cool stuff in here. So I want to pro progressively take you through the book of Revelation not on all these references, but Yeshua is, of course, referenced 26 times as a lamb in the book of Revelation. Wow. So the lamb's a big deal. When John was taken up, he saw the lamb. So this is what we need to be talking about. So let's, let's go right out of the gate here. Let's check out some of these references in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Interesting. Interesting. Check that out. Now, we're going to get into the seven seals here. This is not a study on the book of Revelation because I want to point out the lamb. You can go do your own study, but I want to just praise the lamb. Uh, but in this particular reference that we're developing in the chapter 5 and 6, only Yeshua can open the seven seals. Only Yeshua can open the seven seals. You know that, don't you? Okay, so check this out. Revelation 
And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. So you got all these creatures around the throne, the Lamb's on the throne. I mean, check this out. This is incredible stuff, everybody. It really is. I mean, it's outstanding. So let's stay in chapter 6 of Revelation, and let's go into Revelation 6.16. You ready? And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So now judgment's happening, right? The wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb gives judgment, right? The Lamb gives judgment. But what's interesting is that if this is the wrath of the Lamb and people recognize it, why won't they repent? Why won't they acknowledge the Son of God? Why won't they acknowledge the Son of God? I mean, the seven seals are opened. Something to think about, you know. Think about it. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They know that there's a Lamb. I mean, think about it. So we move on. We move on to what? The congregation in heaven, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. The congregation in heaven, Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. Let's check it out here. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And unto the Lamb. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. And unto the Lamb. Revelation 7, 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So all these things that we're doing in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, what are we doing? What are we doing in his name? In the blood of the Lamb. Wow, that's awesome. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And lay, they actually loved not their lives unto the death. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So think about it. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. All of you have a testimony watching this right now. Every one of you have a testimony. Amen. And you have the blood of the Lamb. Let's move on to Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Now we're in Revelation 13. Once again, the word Lamb is found 26 times in the book of Revelation, referencing Yeshua as the Lamb. But in this particular instance, I'm going to read Revelation 13, 11. And it says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Okay? So he was, he was like a lamb, really soft-spoken, you know, and, and we know references like a lamb led to the slaughter, referencing Yeshua. But, but this, this is the false prophet. He's the second beast and like a lamb. He's a counterfeit. Okay? He's a counterfeit. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them. That's another reference. But the false prophet is the second beast. The first beast is the Antichrist, okay? And, and the dragon is Satan. So there's your false godhead. People want to argue over the godhead and the trinity, you know, and three gods and all these different things. But let me remind you that Satan is only going to imitate the things of God. So if you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the godhead is what I like to reference it. Satan has his false godhead. He has, of course, what? The Antichrist, the false prophet, and, of course, the dragon is Satan. So there you have it, right there in the book of Revelation. What I'm sharing with you is, is actually, it's literal. So think about that. So let's continue on. 
In Revelation 14, 1, and I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion and with him a hundred Forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads. Interesting. Here we have a reference to the 144,000. Uh, the Lamb of Mount Zion with the 144,000, you know. So you have, of course, this number, but you have uh, a lamb that stood on Mount Zion and this 144,000. Not going to get into all that right now, but they are actually marked by God. Uh, once again, take the scriptures literally. And let's check out Revelation 15:3. The Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. Uh, and they sing the Song of Moses, the Servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Now I want to remind you of something. They're singing the Song of Moses, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 32. So there's a Song of Moses, okay? Uh, and it's right there in the Scriptures and the song of the Lamb. Isn't that cool? You know, it's interesting, you know, in regards to the Abrahamic covenant, it's kind of misunderstood, uh, and, the, and the Mosaic covenant is kind of just thrown out. But once again, the song of Moses is still a hit, and it's a great song by Paul Wilbur, uh, the song of Moses. Uh, you can check that out for yourself. Uh, moving on, here we go. We're going to have in Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 through 14, we have 10 kings. All right, 10 kings here. Uh, so let's check this out. Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Wow. To the Lamb. Not to some ideology, not to Hebrew roots, to a person, to the Lamb. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Isn't that awesome? Revelation 17, 14. The Lamb's going to overcome them. And then what do we move into? The marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. Here we have the fourth Passover, which is, of course, the kingdom Passover. Okay, You have the uh, family Passover, in Exodus 12, Deuteronomy 16, you have the congregational Passover. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29, the personal Passover with Yeshua. Now we are all moving towards the fourth and final Passover called the kingdom Passover, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's read those verses, Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The righteousness of saints. Uh, moving on. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Wow, what an incredible revelation, a progressive revelation found here in Revelation, you know. Uh, his wife hath made herself ready. Now, we are justified by the finished work of the cross, but now we're being sanctified or set apart. And so that's what's really important at this point in time. Even getting ready for Passover, we're being sanctified, set apart, okay? Now, that's Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. Let's continue on. Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Wow. Do you have a revelation of the Lamb? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Wow. Let's read that again. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Wow. How about the river of water of life? In Revelation uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, uh, let's check out some of these verses here. Uh, let's, let's go to Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Let's see here. Wow. 
All right, let's check out some of these verses here. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. I'm just going to read a few here. Revelation 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Wow, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, it's from my understanding, as I studied the book of Revelation, I could not find the laver or that piece of furniture in heaven uh, in the book of Revelation. So uh, maybe the river of life is the laver. It's moving water. Something to think about. Something to think about. Revelation 22, verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. This is the last time the word lamb is used in the Bible. Wow. This is the last time the word lamb is used in the Bible. Notice, no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Now think about the law of first mention. We've come full circle. Remember God had to curse Satan, the woman, and man. He had to curse them. And because you have the Lamb, there's no more curse. It's not about fig leaves or animal skins now. It's about God sending the Lamb of God. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? So I want to go back to just a portion of Scripture in closing here. I want to go back to a portion of Scripture that is very relevant for today in regards to the plague of the coronavirus or the disease or the pestilence, whatever you want to call it. I want to, I want to read something to you in regards to the seven vials of wrath in Revelation 16. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is very, very interesting in reference to, uh, to this. Um, I'll just look at Revelation 16, 9. Uh, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Think about it. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, over these plagues. In Revelation, and they repented not to give him glory. So here we have an understanding of what the, of what is to come. God is putting plagues on the earth. God is putting the plagues on the earth. People are, are, are blaspheming in the name of God. They're not repenting, but but we need to recognize God, and and we need to repent, and we need to be intercessors, and we need to be doing this because what is what is actually the the formula here, if the people that are called by his name repent, he's going to heal the land. So let me, let me say a, a quick prayer here uh, in regards to that. So Father, right now, we ask that you heal our land as we ask for forgiveness for our sins, cleanse us of all iniquity, Father. Thank you for removing the curse from us by the blood of Yeshua. And through our obedience, Father, we draw closer to you. So Father, we ask that you heal the Hillsborough County area. The, the state of Florida, the United States of America, and the nations and the world, Father, we ask that you that you forgive us of our sins and heal the land, Father. Put it, put an end to this plague, Father. You have shown me, reminded me that there was a plague that was hit in the book of Numbers among the people, and the people had died, and and Aaron took his incense pan and he ran through the people, and as he got ahead of the dead, he got ahead of the living, and the plague was stayed. It was stopped because Aaron took action. But those that were to his back had passed away. But Aaron moved forward. He charged forward to stop the plague of death. And so that's what we do right now, Father. We, we move forward to stop this plague of death. We intercede. We go ahead of those that have already died and we are among the living. And we pray for this plague to stay and to cease and desist, Father. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So remember this in closing. There's two kinds of people in the last days. Two kinds of people. Those that are fearful and those that are encouraging those that are fearful. Once again, two kinds of people in the last days. Those that are fearful and those that are encouraging those that are fearful. 
So I want to leave it on a good note here. You know, it being Shabbat and everything, we want to just sing the song, Shabbat Shalom. We like to do this at our table as well, and our kids do the little hand clap and everything. So let's, let's, let's leave on a high note uh, and, and sing Shabbat Shalom. So Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat, 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 Shalom. Hey, well, praise God, everyone. Shabbat, Shalom to all of you. Many blessings. And once again, uh, we will be uh, giving some announcements later. We will be filling you in on what's happening, what's going on. Uh, we will let everybody know where we're at at this point in time. And uh, just, I want all of you to stay safe, uh, get closer to one another and to God. And I'm looking forward to seeing your beautiful faces again, because I'm telling you, I'm a shepherd without sheep, and I am chomping at the bit for all of us to come together soon. So God bless. Take care.